Thanks for listening to this special edition of We Go Vox Politics. Tomorrow, Illinois votes. And Patrick McCormick, political maven, has his thoughts on this wild election cycle. And later on, we'll have some satire. AP Language does hot air political speeches. First, Patrick. Patrick, I want to ask you, how did you become such an expert during this election cycle? I mean, what is it about this primary that has captured your attention and imagination? Uh, well, I always thought it was funny with the cliches of people just going after candidates because that's what their party represented or that's mm-hmm. who their party nominated. And I thought that since second grade, and so I thought these stories when, from when people were children were kind of stupid, but... I was in our class and people were saying, I'm going to vote for this person or I'm going to vote for that. And I just couldn't believe that no one knew what these candidates represented. And so I was wondering if that's what America does, is just vote for someone because they just like them. And so I'm hoping to educate people and this election cycle is, is especially fascinating because all of the candidates have several faces. It's not black and white, and the political spectrum is blurred beyond belief, and so it's hard to tell where people stand. And so in this election where people, in this election, people are going to have trouble deciding who exactly they vote for just based on that they like them. True. All right, so with that, um, let's begin with uh, the two big races here. So we're going to start off with the uh, discussion of the Democratic primary, and it's really shaping up to be quite a marathon. Uh, What's surprised you so far? Well, what surprised me so far is that Clinton hasn't taken a bigger lead. Uh, From heading into this race, Clinton seemed almost untouchable, and Bernie Sanders has held his own just like he did in Iowa. He started off almost unrecognized, and he's slowly made his way into stardom, especially with the younger voters, which is something that both sides of the political spectrum have struggled to get as a voter base, which makes him much more of a candidate than anyone ever intended. And uh, so the thing that I'm having trouble with, though, is that Clinton still has a huge lead. And this huge lead that she has isn't as big as it appears. Uh, Going into today, only a few states, or only 22 of the 50 states have voted so far, which leaves 28 left. And Hillary hasn't pulled away as far as she needed to. Not to mention that the states that she has gained are mainly southern states. She's only won three states that are considered northern or blue voting states. That's Iowa, Massachusetts, and... It's Nevada, I think. Nevada. Nevada. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. And the point differential between uh, what delegates they've gotten is eight. An eight-point differential between these three states of delegates gained. And that's very significant because that's reflecting the true intentions of the Democratic Party because Hillary went into the South in on Super Tuesday and destroyed Bernie Sanders. Mm-hmm. But is she really winning the Democratic Party? In Texas, 
uh, 2,800,000 voters voted for the Republican Party in Texas. And for the Democratic Party, it was 1,500,000. And it's roughly about half as many voters voted Democrat as for Republicans. So looking at this, Hillary got 147 delegates for her race, and Bernie Sanders got 74. That creates a huge point differential when going into the primaries. But if we consider that she's not winning states that will vote for the Democrats in the normal elections or in the regular elections, is Hillary Clinton really winning the, Repub the Democratic primaries? Bernie Sanders, especially with his upset win in Michigan, even in bigger states, not northern states, he's shown to be incredibly a big contender. And as his campaign gets more momentum, we're going to see a snowball effect that he's going to ride all the way up until the nominating convention. And Hillary does have a lot of votes, and one big uh, word that people don't want to touch right now in the Democratic establishment is superdelegates. Uh, superdelegates were created ex almost exactly for this case because Bernie Sanders is an anti-establishment Democrat. And so the Democrats created the superdelegates so essentially they could nominate whoever they wanted. They could create this point differential that is very hard to make up. But as we've seen, Bernie Sanders wins a state like New Hampshire but Hillary Clinton comes out on top with more delegates. And so as it gets closer to the nominating convention, the establishment of the Democratic Party is going to have to make a choice whether they want to blatantly disregard what the states are voting for as, or are they going to choose to switch their votes, which they absolutely have the power to do. And that's what it comes down to. If the point differential was larger, if it was so much greater than anybody had anticipated or as everyone had anticipated going to the primaries favoring Clinton, these superdelegates may not have needed to change their votes, but if the race does come down to who the superdelegates nominated when it comes to the convention, the establishment is going to have to justify telling the Democratic Party that Bernie Sanders won the popular vote but did not win the delegates the number of delegates to be nominated. Would, is there a similar uh, mirroring effect? Because could, this could also be the same problem that the GOP has. Is there almost a, a, a parallel to that, or are the rules a little bit different in the GOP uh, uh, primary? Well, the, the GOP hasn't run into this problem. They haven't created these rules to protect themselves from a candidate like Trump, which is mm -hmm. exactly why the Democratic Party created these rules, because they're tired of nominating. Yeah, and... Uh, Trump is a chaos candidate, mm -hmm. and the entire party is going to need to unify behind one candidate, Cruz or Rubio, in order to stop Donald Trump. And that is, in a sense, a truer form of nominating a person for the presidency, is having a direct vote without any people, free agent voters, that can sway this election one way or the other.
Okay. If this is a very pivotal week as we're heading into the uh, the primaries in Illinois here on Tuesday, but looking uh, across uh, the United States, and we know that it would mean a lot, of course, if Kasich, if he can win his Ohio, or if Rubio wins uh, Florida. But we know that Rubio seems to have a little bit more maybe popularity behind him in terms of numbers than than Kasich. Uh, if he if Rubio loses Florida. And ultimately, he just he has to drop out because there's just no path forward. Where do you think his voters and the loyalty will go? Will they hitch their wagon to Cruz or Trump? Well, I think they'll go to Cruz. Uh, the voters that have backed Rubio are the same type of voters that would back Cruz. Trump is the chaos candidate. He builds his campaign on fear, on stereotypes, and the people that are voting for him are voting for him. But the voter base that Cruz, Rubio, and Kasich pull from aren't the same type of voters. They're nowhere near Donald Trump and they've made a conscientious decision not to vote for him. And so going forward, if Rubio drops out and he nominates Ted Cruz, Donald Trump is going to see very little of his of Rubio's previous or of Rubio's voter base that would have been there going to him and only going to Cruz. Hmm, interesting. The question is, will the GOP ultimately unite behind Trump, or will there, will there be some type of insurrection in a very riotous convention in July? The status of the convention in July is going to depend, uh, I wish I had a better answer, but it's going to mm. depend on how voters come out in the next few weeks. Super Tuesday already happened, and that is a huge voter base for the Republicans. And so Trump is going to have a lot of trouble maintaining this momentum as they go to northern states to vote. So Cruz and, and Rubio and Kasich, if they stay in, are going to be experiencing a huge resurrection of voter of their voter base. And Trump is just not going to be experiencing that same glory that he did in those southern states where he can build. And so going in, the Republican Party is going to try to stop Donald Trump, but Donald Trump isn't the chaos candidate that they believe he is. He is there to represent them, and he is showing to be a viable candidate, although in many situations they do show him losing to Hillary Clinton or even Sanders, which is a troubling sign for the Republican Party. So which which of these scenarios plays better for the GOP? Cruz versus Clinton, Cruz versus Sanders? Well, for the GOP, uh, I think the Cruz-Clinton lineup is the best one for them because Clinton is a political punching bag Mm -hmm. and they can keep going at her and Clinton tries to throw off these punches like they're nothing but some of them stick and so the Republicans saying that oh, Hillary Clinton is going to be indicted for her email scandal. And Clinton comes out and says, no, that's ridiculous. I'm never going to be indicted for it. It wasn't that big of a deal. You're just blowing it up. But these little things that Clinton has done and taken a step back on, she's very inconsistent with her political past. Despite being a great candidate, her inconsistencies, the GOP will jump on and viciously attack her for it. Whereas a candidate like Sanders... Clinton has tried to jump on him for his inconsistencies, and Sanders doesn't take a step back. He 
rolls with the punches and he fights right back. Clinton mm -hmm. once said in a debate uh, that Bernie Sanders loved the NRA. And he said, no, I think what you're referring to is a document that I voted back on in 2005 where I supported uh, helping out some gun companies, but that was only to protect small businesses. And then he continued to state that he got a D-minus rating from the NRA. <laughs> and this not backing off and going after the candidate when they're attacking him and explaining what the situation is, he's the antithesis of these political ads that grow on fear and the misuse of facts. And so uh, Clinton is too inconsistent, and the GOP will certainly tear them up. And if you couldn't tell from my bias already, the Sanders ticket is the best for the GOP, mm -hmm. or for the Democrats. Mm -hmm. Sanders is a extremist moderate. In the view of the rest of the world, Sanders is a moderate socialist. There's people in Denmark that are applauding because Sanders keeps pointing to them and showing the success that they're having. But besides his economic policies, Sanders is more of a moderate than Clinton is. Hmm. And like I said earlier, his stance on gun control, he's shown to be more willing to compromise and create bipartisan bills <coughs> with the Republican Party and concede because he understands that the nation doesn't fit into one cookie-cutter party and his willingness to compromise on some of those things goes with the ideals of the Republican Party and Clinton in order to gain support for some of her political causes or for some of her voters has created or has dug herself into a hole essentially uh, with their stance on abortion that are so far to the left that the Republicans and the Republican voter base has no chance of jumping over that line. Whereas Clinton or whereas Sanders has shown to get almost an entirely new bracket of voters, of young college students that have almost openly said that they're not gonna vote at all if Sanders isn't elected or nominated, and also that his moderate policies, besides the socialist one, which he has been willing to explain during the debates, he is more moderate, and that's what makes him the more viable candidate for bipartisanship. Your prediction, who wins Illinois on Tuesday? Well, I think it's going to be Cruz and Clinton. But that's all dependent on Michigan, I think. The Michigan voter base is similar to that of Chicago and to the rest of Illinois. And if Bernie Sanders can pull off a win in Illinois, that is going to be huge. And while Clinton does have the statistical advantage in Illinois with uh, large cities and her voter base being from a good populated area, she started to alienate some of her candidates like she did back in 2008 during the primaries when she started off as the golden candidate, but because she was so untouchable, she became reachable again. She flew too close to the sun, and that's maybe what's happening here is Clinton got such an early lead in the South that she became careless, and just like in Iowa, Sanders is coming back up again. So it is a toss-up for the Democrats, although I do see Cruz winning Illinois 
because Illinois is a northern state and they're a lot less, they're more liberal and it has been shown to be a blue state and the people that vote for Cruz are going to be not as easily riled up as other Trump candidates, Trump voters. Cool. Well, thank you, Patrick. Uh, we will uh, come back to you uh, once everything solidifies uh, with uh, the election uh, after the uh, after the, the Super Tuesday. It's not Super Tuesday. What do we call it? It's uh, it's not our Super Tuesday. It's just Primary Tuesday. Yeah. So, yeah, whatever it is for Illinois. So we will come back to your uh, thoughts uh, once everything shapes up. So thanks for joining us and giving us all your good ideas uh, for the podcast today. My pleasure. Every year, I ask my AP language class to craft a political speech pandering to a ridiculous audience. This year was fantastic. The rhetoric is the same, but the audience is a little different. I think you'll enjoy this. Thank you. Thank you. Good afternoon, my cutie mark crusaders. When I announced my campaign in this exact hall four months ago, I would have never guessed just how far I would be able to go. I went from a cutie markless normie to a champion of pony rights. Yet, I would have not been able to accomplish this goal without you, my brethren, my sisters, my fellow ponies. Most of us have been subject to of extreme and unfair criticism. Many seem to be ignorant of our naturally friendly ways. Though we extend our hooves in friendship, we are shut down by hateful words and disgust. Disgust of something that we simply can't control. We were born to be more than humans. We were born to be ponies. Ponies who solve problems through the power of cooperation, friendship, happiness, and magic. In the words of our respected, the most effective way to do it is simply to do it. And I promise you, my fellow equestrians, we will do it. We will be free. We will throw off the saddle of oppression and overcome a phrase that has plagued our people since season one. Brony. We've all been college. We've all felt the sharp sting of words thrown at us like apples in Applejack's field. But like Twilight Sparkle, we will stay resilient. And we will continue to do so. As I toured this great nation, I met a small 11-year-old boy. He loved My Little Pony and accepted his role in equestrian society. As he was being educated about friendship, unity, and tolerance through the show, he was a subject of hate and disgust. He told me, It's hard to be happy when everyone else hates you for it. I say no longer. No longer shall young men and women be bullied for believing and following what they love. Though these ponies may not exist in the real world, they exist in our hearts, our minds, and in the posters on our walls. If elected president, I would follow the rule of Princess Celestia, ensuring that education, unity, and cooperation take precedent. I would ensure that we receive the respect we deserve. We are more than a fandom. We are more than just a bunch of weirdos who love watching a children's television show. We are more than bronies. We are an equestrian revolution. And I would like for you to join me 
in this revolution by voting for me this Tuesday. Thank you. Thank you all. Thank you. Now, we must hear from Extreme Poodle Walking Federation. Uh, All right, uh, greetings everybody. Thank you uh, for coming out tonight, and a big thank you to the USA Extreme Poodle Walkers Federation for having me. Uh, I'm so grateful to be here in the heart of sophisticated society, Petco. As I've been campaigning across these beautiful United States of America, I've come across scores of people, just like you, who value three things in this world above all else. God, country, and poodles. But, my fellow Americans, times have been rough recently. President Mittens has been barking up the wrong tree. He's been shrinking the size of the average dog park by 10%. He's inflated the price of Purina Pro Dog, ooh, Purina Pro Dog Plan dog food by 15 cents per pound. He's even made grooming our beautiful Bichons more expensive. This Aristocat is not fit to run a country in this dog-eat-dog world. The Sourpuss is clearly not man's best friend. We are better than that. This is the time to change America for the better. Recently, I spoke with Ione, a dog, a finalist at the Westminster Dog Show. She, like many of you, is frustrated with the lack of legislation concerning those brutish beasts which have been left untrained by their owners and for whatever reason have no moral backbone. And I agree. We need to have stricter laws on how to train our dogs. As professional poodle proprietors, we hold our dogs to a higher standard, and others should be inclined to do the same. Yeah, they should. You know, I'd like to to share with you all a story about a French poodle named Mimi. Mimi and her owner, Pam Purd, were walking through a neighborhood much like this one. Mimi was practicing her winning strut when out of nowhere... Two Rottweilers broke out of their yard and viciously attacked Mimi and Pam. (gasps) I know, I know. Is there no safety? Well, I'm here to tell you that when I'm elected, I'm going to pass legislation to make obedience training mandatory for all dogs. There will be a new, safer age in America for our dogs. No longer must we walk in fear of being attacked. No longer will we have to carry pepper spray for vicious dogs. No longer will we be oppressed by ruthless beasts with no training. Together, together we can make America a safer place for all of us. Thank you, and good night. Thanks for joining us on this special edition of WeGoVox Politics.